0: we And welcome to the Wide Teams Podcast, the podcast for geographically dispersed teams and remote workers, located on the web at WideTeams.com and on Twitter at WideTeams. This is episode 31. I am your host, Avdi Grimm. In this episode, an interview with Joe Moore of Pivotal Labs. Joe is a software developer. Joe moved from San Francisco to Atlanta with his family, but continued to work with his team in San Francisco remotely. We talked about making that transition, going from co located to remote, about remote pair programming and other agile practices. If you're someone who is making the transition from co located to remote work or thinking about it, I think you'll particularly enjoy this episode. And now, on to the interview with Joe Moore. Hey, this is Avi Grimm with YTeams.com, and I'm talking today with Joe Moore from Pivotal. Joe, uh, thanks for talking to me. Uh, No problem. Thank you for having me on. So um, if you would, uh, if we could just start off with uh, a little bit about who you are and what you do. Uh, Sure. My name is uh, Joe Moore. Uh, I work for uh,
1: a company called Pivotal Labs. Uh, Most people are familiar with Pivotal Uh, through Pivotal Tracker, our Agile project management tool, uh, which is pretty popular, especially in the Ruby uh, community and the Agile community. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, Pivotal always has been and still primarily is a consulting company um, specializing in uh, web apps, web development, uh, especially in Ruby on Rails, um, and also mobile development in uh, webOS and Android. And we're starting to get into... Uh, uh, Apple mobile web development as well. All right, and about um, how big is Pivotal? Uh, Pivotal is about a hundred people. Mm-hmm. Um, we have almost a hundred developers. Um, I think we have about ninety developers now or so, um, primarily in San Francisco. I think about seventy people in San Francisco, and then we have a a little bit uh, a, a lot smaller office, but still substantially sized office in uh, New York, and also in Boulder, and then myself, um, I moved with my wife to Atlanta, Georgia, about six months
0: ago, which is why I'm talking to you. And and you moved from where? Uh, San Francisco. Okay. And so so you moved um, away from the main office, I guess, and but you you continued to work remotely.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that 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 might be where my story is a little bit different than some of the other people you've interviewed who might have, uh, gone into remote developer development, you know, seeking, you know, flexible schedules and, you know, freedom to kind of do whatever they want and and such. I know that's not everybody's story, but that's often a, a a generic story that a lot of people will mention. But, um, my story is a little bit different, I think, because instead of sort of being able to go out and do whatever I wanted, what I really wanted to do was to stay with Mm -hmm. pivotal, um, uh, Pivotal really prides itself on working really closely with clients and really closely with other developers. We do um, 100% pair programming. Um, So one of the challenges was if, you know, it's really hard to have, it can be very hard to have remote developers when those developers are supposed to work side by side with other people for eight hours a day. Right. Um, Luckily with, you know, how good uh, mobile tech is now and remote tech like, you know, desktop screen sharing and such, um it's not very different to pair program with somebody who's side by side versus three thousand miles away, so with all that kind of taken together, I was able to stay with Pivotal and keep doing basically the exactly the same job I had been doing um mm. just from you know two and a half thousand miles away.
0: Now, you mentioned pair programming um I think a lot of my listeners probably uh probably know what that is but but for anyone who doesn't, can you talk a little bit about what that is um absolutely uh so pair programming got popular. Uh, ten or fifteen years ago or so
1: um, amongst the, the those who practice the agile uh, uh, you know software development uh, methodologies and it's it's quite literally two developers sitting side by side at one computer um, working on the same problem together um, and uh, the philosophy behind this, which is more and more becoming backed up by uh, you know studies that are coming out of universities and such is that uh, although on a strict you know, on a strict time basis, um, some evidence shows that it's a little bit slower. Um, the flip side is that you produce code that is uh, ex- far uh, higher quality, uh, far fewer defects, um, far better designed, far better uh, factored, far better tested, and basically leaps and bounds of quality ahead of what might, what might be produced by solo programmers. Um, so... Trading maybe a little bit of uh, a little bit slower development for incredibly high quality software means that actually your software development is probably going to be faster because instead of revisiting a feature multiple times, fixing bugs and defects and redesigning and such, uh, you really get it. The the goal is to get it done extremely well the first time, Mm -hmm. Um, and then if you do need to revisit it, the goal is also that uh, you know by having two heads on the same problem, um, it's the, the code is designed and factored so well that you can quickly and easily make changes.
0: Very cool. Now, um, I've talked to a few um, people that do remote pair programming some mm-hmm. of the time. I think that uh, – I'm not sure that I've talked to anyone yet who made a point of of doing pair programming all the time, even while remote. So can you tell me a little bit about how you've made that work? Yeah, Absolutely
1: um and 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 I also like to say that I agree i don't think i've ever met anybody except for uh, pivotal developers who uh remote pair one hundred percent of the time um let's see from a technology point of view uh we're everybody at Pivotal is on standard equipment, so we all have basically the same imac you know like the maxed out whatever the top range imac is at the time you know right now it's the 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 top end uh, uh twenty four inch uh, i twenty seven inch iMacs. Um, so all along that um, standard, we uh, tend to use Skype for uh, for video and for voice, and then the built-in Apple uh, screen-sharing app, which I think is based on VNC, uh, for screen-sharing. So from a technology point of view, that, that's pretty much it. Um, we have used uh, – I was a big proponent for a while of iChat screen-sharing because you don't have the same firewall issues as you have with um, – the built-in screen sharing app, but I found that the the voice quality is, is not as good, which isn't a huge deal, but uh, mm-hmm. I found that the it, it has terrible lag problems and freezing problems and all kinds of strange connectivity issues um, mm-hmm. that, uh, although I was really excited about it at first because it has, you know, real full screen. It's just like you're on the other person's computer when you're remote, but the, the, the quality just seems to be totally random. You never know what you're going to get.
0: Hmm. Okay, so you're kind of fallen back on more standard tools.
1: Yeah, it's a couple it's more moving parts unfortunately. It's, and the, the screen sharing app uh, that's built into OS10 isn't quite as cool. It's like it doesn't do full like real full screen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sometimes the command tab, you know, just for application switching, sometimes it just stops working and you have to restart it. But as far as uh, as far as just consistency and of of high quality, it's mm. kind of the way to go, in my opinion.
0: One of the things you mentioned to me um, in email about um, about pairing remotely, um, are, well, are the the topics of, of patience and social mm. skills? Are there are there special skills, um, pers- you know, just people skills that you need to do to make that work?
1: Yeah from a uh, from a baseline pair programming, you know, you you know, having patience, being able to you know, be a good listener. Um, uh, being able to sort of take a step back and and not let your own uh, ego and opinions take you know too much precedence because you are it's basically a, a eight hour a day negotiation of how you're going to write this code and so being sort of self aware when somebody else's ideas might might be better than yours mm-hmm. even though this you know you might have implemented feature X you know the same way five times somebody else is coming along and saying, well, I'd like to try it differently. You know, having an open mind and saying, okay, well, I'm going to listen to what they say. We're going to come at a, you know, arrive at a solution together uh, is sometimes hard for people. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's sort of base, uh, you know, pair programming sort of etiquette and and, uh, skills. I'd say with uh, being remote, um, it definitely takes more patience um, because sometimes the the technology is finicky um, and, uh, people who have a really low tolerance for if Skype crashes or something like that, and you have to restart it, you know, sometimes people have a really short fuse about that kind of stuff, and they mm-hmm. might say, well, "I can't stand this. You know, this is this is interrupting my flow, and right. this is really disruptive to me." Um, so having people who have a little bit more patience, both remotely and the, the person who might be hosting the session, mm-hmm. uh, that's definitely a really good attribute. Um, and you do lose a little bit of fidelity. You know, you you know even if you have video running. And you can see their face and everything, which is really, you know, I would say if you're doing remote pair programming, getting video into the mix is really important, uh, in my opinion, if you can can do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But even with that, you know, you just don't have the, you know, the, you you don't have the background conversations that you, you know, you can't really hear those. Um, uh, It's a little bit easier to get distracted by, you know, things that might be happening on the side, you know, maybe you have a laptop on the side and it's running Twitter or something like that. and you're you know, maybe distracted by that, so you you lose a little bit of little bit of fidelity, and you can be a little bit more distracted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so being like really self aware and disciplined about that is important as well.
0: How long do you um, do you pair at a stretch? I mean, do you take breaks or? And...
1: Yeah, it's important to take. It's definitely important to take breaks when you're pairing in general, mm-hmm. um, and when you're remote, I think it's even more important. Uh, I, I would say that we don't have any sort of rule, although I know that there's some some cool. Um, uh, sort of process right now, you know, around you know having scheduled times and being forced to take you know fifteen minute breaks and such. Uh, Pomodoro, I think, is what it's called. Yeah. Uh, uh, I know some people use that, but we, I'd say, for ourselves, we just sort of kind of let 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 it kind of happen naturally. You know, if we're hitting or if we're you know really in the zone and we're you know working on something hard, you know, we'll usually kind of see it through. Um, uh, if we're just doing little, you know, maybe fixing little bugs here and there. Um, you know, maybe we'll take more breaks because the flow isn't quite as uh, intense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say, you know, once an hour or so, we kind of, you know, take five, walk around for a minute or two. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then, of course, we have a you know, long lunch
0: break in the middle of the day. Right. Do you ever find it difficult um, when you're remote um, to get back from the break on a, in a timely way, or has that not been a problem for you?
1: I would say it's it, it hasn't been too much of a problem, mm-hmm. um, but there is a little bit of that risk, you know, and that and that is one of the criticisms I've heard of remote pairing is, um, you know, you get back to your computer and you don't really know if that person's around, are they back, or, you know, or or maybe you can sort of you know get distracted by something and and uh, not realize you've taken you know ten minutes if you as you've been right. you know, doing your laundry or you know feeding your cat or something exactly. Um, uh, I, I would say it hasn't been that big of a deal. Um, that's another way in which video is important. Like just having it running, you know, if you are doing something, you know, off to the side, you know, you took a break and you're doing a chore or something. If you can look over at your machine and you see that the other person has come back and has sat down, then that can kind of prompt you to kind of, you know, get right. back into it.
0: It's a little bit more like the, the in-person scenario where they, yeah. where you see them at, at your desk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a really good analogy. Um, now, with with pairing, um, sort of classical pairing, there's a there's a sort of a play of of keyboard back and forth. If someone <laughs> will say, I I think I know what to do here, and, and take the keyboard. Um, do you do that? I mean, do you type type into somebody's remote machine, or do you swap who is hosting the session, or anything like that? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a great question, and and one of the things that
1: uh, like recently I've been doing some some reading about other people who've been doing remote pairing and, and listening to some of your podcasts where people talk about remote pairing and it, and it doesn't sound very common that people completely open up, you know, that a host completely opens up their machine mm-hmm. to the remote person and that you have that ebb and flow. Um, we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really don't, uh, um, an interesting, uh, discussion with, uh, uh somebody online about why they didn't do that and, and really what it came down to is they weren't doing full pair programming. It was more of like a pair, you know, it was sort of like having just somebody watching while you typed, right. while they, yeah. and they, they were probably at least the, would know, say The remote person was at least 50% or more distracted by other stuff.
0: Right. Yeah. Um,
1: it was more of, it seemed more almost like a co-working situation where, right. You know, just wanted to have somebody else kind of nearby, even if they're remote. Um, but no, so going to get back to your original question, we did, we do full open, you know. Person can do absolutely anything. Mm-hmm. They could shut down the machine if they wanted to. Right. Um, and we do have that ebb and flow and back and forth. And that's another um, thing I would say. Uh, you know, as like for regular pair programming, you have to have pretty good etiquette. You know, if somebody's in the middle of something, um, you don't just grab. You know, just as when you're well, if you were walking by somebody's desk, you wouldn't reach over and grab their mouse and randomly. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. With uh, pair programming. Uh, you know it's important not to just hijack somebody's you know mouse or keyboard when they're when you can tell that they're in the middle of a thought or something. Um, that's more important when you're remote or when you're doing your remote pairing because you don't have as many cues. You know, some, even if you have video or something, you can't really you can't really see that somebody is you know really intent on something or distracted or what have you. So those little voice cues are really important. You know, I like all day long. I'm always saying, um, "Hey, do you mind if I look at this?" Uh, oh, you know. Uh, you, oh, you know. Do you mind if I finish this real quick? I just want to, you know, finish this. Or, uh, hey, can I grab the mouse? I want to. I want to check something out. Or, or, oh, hey, can I? Can I try this? I want to. I want to see something. So, just like those little voice cues are really important, and um, some people are better at it than others. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes, you know, I'll even with people who I remote pair with a lot. Uh, you know, I'll be doing something, and suddenly the mouse will, you know, fly across the screen as somebody you know, got some inspiration and decided to try something else. Um, and I'm sure that I do that too. And and that's another, that kind of gets back to, you know, patience. You know, if you're going to fly off the handle every time that happens, then, you know, remote pairing might not be the best for you.
0: Mm-hmm. That's an interesting, uh, that's a really good point about the, um, just the frequent voice cues. Mm-hmm. Um, the the issue that I've run into when I'm doing remote pairing with, um, with typing on a remote, remote hosted session um, has, the biggest issue I've run into has just been latency, where it's, mm-hmm. it's um, you know, you type a, a, le- a character and a second later it shows up on the screen. Right, right. Um, you know, so is that something you've run into? Do you actually write a lot of code on somebody else's screen or do they, for the most part, run their own keyboard? Um, good question. And and that kind of gets back to, uh,
1: you know, kind of boring stuff, unfortunately, which is like, you know, quality of your network and, and what software you're using. Um, the... Uh, the answer is that um, I almost always, I would say ninety percent of the time or more, I'm working on a machine in San Francisco, even though I'm in Atlanta. So I'm almost always the remote person, and that's partially a personal choice. Like I, I want to sort of, I, I've decided to take the the bulk of the remote burden upon myself, right? Um, because I am the remote person, mm-hmm. uh, but. Uh we really don't have, like I find, so so I'm usually on the, the remote end of it, and so I can kind of see the latency. And I find that if you use uh, the built-in screen sharing app on OS X, um, if you're using a Mac, uh, there's almost no lag. Like, it's basically live. Okay. Uh, in my experience. And now that's something that, uh, well, I earlier I was mentioning, um, Max iChat uh, screen sharing, sometimes it's like it's live as well. And sometimes it's like it's, you know, 30 seconds behind. Um so I think it really depends on the the quality of your network. And I've talked to some other people uh who who say that it's not so much like your ping rate. Like you may have great DSL or something like that and you may ping Google.com and it's fast. Mm-hmm. Um it's not so necessarily like your 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 uh it's like your upload speed or something like that. But it's really the latency. You know it's like you know how often does you know, how often does your connection drop off and such? Um, so, like, your download rate, for example, is not really a good indicator um, of, of, like, the experience. That you're
0: okay. But you mentioned having, having um, your remote pair um, on video with you. Do you, do, do you um, have, like, a separate screen for that, a separate machine, or do you just kind of have that on the same screen? Uh, I've done it both ways. Um I do have a, a personal laptop
1: that I do sit next to me um I find that uh usually uh I run it on the same machine now I have the advantage like I said earlier of having a you know twenty seven inch monitor
0: mm-hmm.
1: so i I have a little corner that tends to be more or less unused okay um and so i 'll run the video there um but I would recommend if you can to offload uh the voice and video onto another machine, especially a laptop mm-hmm. um because it does free up some CPU, uh, but then also but the other thing it does is it really adds an interesting dynamic um, if you're the remote person and the, the host has you on a, a mobile you know, laptop or something mm-hmm. like that um, it's amazing how much it really frees you up mm-hmm. um, on a project a couple of projects ago I was exclusively on this this this, uh, this extra laptop um, when I was remoting into. Uh, for for, for video and voice anyway. And they would frequently uh, just pick me up, Mm -hmm. pick up that laptop and take me into, you know, take me into uh, um, uh, an office, I'm sorry, a meeting room where we might be doing a demo or something like that, or if if we have some meeting with uh, product managers. And they they basically treated me like a person. Mm -hmm. It was just, uh, you know, I was Joe in the box and uh, (laughs) my my floating head would be there on the screen. And and they basically treated me like a, like a uh, one, you know, full participant in the, Mm -hmm. And the uh, meetings and such, and you know, to the point where they would actually, you know, hold me up to the the the, the screen
0: mm-hmm. that we're doing the demo on, so that I could see something in a little bit more, more detail. It was really awesome. That's funny. Um, that's great, and that's and it's kind of funny that um, Jim Wyerick said almost the exact same thing to me, uh, mm-hmm. about you know having his his uh, laptop being carted around the the remote location and held right. up to the whiteboard and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: it's really it's really great, and and that's and that's um. You know, like with a lot, a lot of these themes sort of reinforce themselves. That really gets back to like the kind of personalities that are involved. Um, uh, you know, the the person I was this project I was on, it was at a, it was at a client, and the person I was working with, um, at the client uh, who was a, a pivot as well, but it was just he and I. He was uh, it was really interesting. He was he was extremely um, he had never he would never done remote pairing before, and he was really sort of uh, suspicious about you know the impact it was going to have, how much it was going to slow down. Um, you know, our productivity. Um, mm-hmm. And really quickly, he realized, and I've had this experience multiple times, that remote pairing is, is I would say, at least, it's about 95% as good as regular pairing. Like, there's really very little impact when things are going smoothly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he really turned into sort of one of the biggest advocates hmm. of remote pairing. Um, and his personality was such as that he was totally fine, you know, with a the little bit of extra overhead, like, you know picking up the laptop and taking it into the meeting room and holding it up to the big screen so I could see what was going on and you know like he he was willing to make that extra effort mm-hmm. um and I think that that's when you find those people, it's really special uh, mm-hmm. because it is you know, like, you know like the fact is is like my being remote is is a burden I mean it just flat out is right you know people have to you know make sure the technology is working, they have to be patient when you know the screen sharing app crashes or something like that or. Um, sometimes my schedule has to be a little bit flexible because i 'm three hours ahead, and uh, sometimes i can 't overlap as much, and so people just have to be a little bit more flexible right uh, and so finding those people is is really important mm-hmm. We're willing to end up with
0: that one more question about the pairing um before we move on um some one um uh point you listed um in a comment that you made actually uh was daily pair swapping what is that
1: oh um that 's uh uh, that's something that can actually make uh, uh pairing really really enjoyable um mm-hmm. is that uh is is when you can avoid what what we kind of internally call getting married to somebody um <laughs> and so if if you have a project where there's just two of you maybe on a client project or something um then you can't really uh, you're always going to be pairing with the same person and that can work but you know working that closely with anybody you know eight hours a day can be a little bit can sometimes stress a working relationship mm-hmm. um so, if when you're on projects where you can have uh, where you happen to have maybe four developers that are pairing or maybe six or eight, then quite literally ever almost every day you can uh, change who you're working with, and you can sort of you know do the math and you know keep track of of you know the you know who you, who you should be pairing with you know based on you know the the how long it's been since you've paired with somebody mm-hmm. uh, but but swapping pairs is a great way to Uh, Make sure that everybody is sort of aware of all the different moving parts of the system. Uh, People don't get too much ownership of a part of the system such that they become the only expert. Um, Mm -hmm. And also, like, getting introduced to everybody's different ideas and different expertise, really doing that knowledge sharing. I think there's a lot of lip service to knowledge sharing, um, you know, in in high tech and, and in programming. And, you know, where, oh, well, why don't you go sit with this guy for half a day and then you know everything he knows. Well, that doesn't really happen, and so when you're doing uh, pair programming and you're rotating pairs like every morning after your, uh you know maybe you have a daily stand up meeting at nine or something and, uh, and at that point you you switch who's who's you switch uh, the pairs around then everybody really does is basically forced to learn all the different parts of the
0: system that you're developing it's really great you um you you started collocated. um and you uh, you moved to Atlanta, uh, became remote. Um, what was that conversation like um, when discussing you know whether you could stay you know stay with Pivotal doing the same job that you were um, but uh, you know uh, on on the other coast? I mean, was that an easy sell or not so much? Well, that's
1: a, that's a good question. It's a little bit of a delicate uh, uh, question, um, but I'll answer it as, as best I can. Um, you know, given that it was you know an internal conversation, right? Um, uh, but also, you know, I can kind of tell you from my point of view, you know, what I was feeling, and I will admit I was a little bit uh I was a little bit worried, you know, mm-hmm. how open were uh, were they going to be to having me remote? Now, luckily, um, I wasn't the first person, you know, we have somebody who's worked remotely for us for uh, five years, so mm-hmm. we know that that works. Uh, he works out of Tucson. Um, we have done. Quite a few projects where we've had remote people involved, both client developers who might be remote, you know, in some other city, and also where we are working remotely with, you know, uh, with clients who are in another city. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we kind of know that it can work, but uh, uh, you know, to be honest, we we decided to give it a try. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm really so I'm really humbled that and thankful with to to pivotal that you know they they didn't just say. You know what, Joe? You're going to be remote, and that's going to be a pain. And you know, it's been a great run. See you later. Right. Uh, they didn't do that at all. They, you know, they said, you know, we, you know, that they they trusted me. We're going to give it a try. Um, you know, they're willing to make that investment in me. You know, send me to Atlanta with a really, you know, expensive computer and some other supporting <laughs> equipment. Uh-huh. Um, and so I, I'm humbled that they were willing to do that. Um, and I'm really glad that it seems to be working out. Um but you know, but I won't lie, you know, I was a bit nervous going into that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um and they uh uh they totally came through and you know, I think that it's working out pretty well. That's great.
0: Let's talk a little bit about um some of the other aspects of your daily workflow be- besides yeah. for the pairing. Um now you do daily stand ups, right? Yes. And you do that over what Skype? Yep, we do that over uh video Skype. Okay. So because you're so is it is it like you are the you one end and then the office is the other end of that connection. Yeah, exactly. So uh the project that I'm on um right now which which I would say is a fairly
1: typical pivotal project is uh there's uh four um uh, pivotal developers. Mm-hmm. Um it happens to be that I'm the fourth or you know that we have three in the, in the office in San Francisco uh and then a fourth you know me here in Atlanta. Um, so they all get into work a little bit before nine, uh, they have breakfast provided. And so they eat breakfast and around 9:15 or so we have our standup meeting. Uh, so they just gather around one of the, uh, one of the, the, the two machines they have there in San Francisco, uh, for the project. And they dial me in, mm-hmm. um, on Skype and, uh, they have, uh, I know these are really popular, but they have a, a snowball mic, which is a really good, uh, microphone so that I can hear, um, so that I can hear them really well mm-hmm. um, and uh they just angle the the monitor up so that the the camera can you know see their faces instead of their stomachs mm-hmm. and uh it 's pretty much like a normal stand up
0: and do you actually stand up i don't <laughs> <laughs> I will admit that i don't yeah, that's that can be a problem with with remote stand ups simply because a lot of times it's it's uh not always easy to re angle the uh, the camera yeah. Through. You, I've That's a
1: really good point, and and it's funny how how impactful something as simple as that is. Yes. Um, and uh, like I guess I didn't think of it, you know, uh, until really until you just mentioned that. So I'm glad you brought it up. That uh, you know I should probably get a, a camera that I can actually angle up a little bit better because that is actually the reason why I sit mm-hmm. is that um, well for one my back is sort of against the wall so mm-hmm. you know I can't really you know, whatever there's 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 some minor you know, facilities issues, also known as my dining room. Uh, <laughs>
0: uh there. But but if I could just angle a camera up, yeah. then I would
1: probably stand.
0: Yeah, uh, and mm-hmm. I, I I'm kind of thinking of this about the same thing as I'm as we're talking about this because um I don't know about you, but I do find that as I'm having a sit down you know, a remote sit down stand up, um it's a lot easier to you know check Twitter right um, or or even just like keep working on whatever i was working on you know whatever code i was working on right right the up started and i was thinking of sort of along the same lines i have an, an external um camera and i'm wondering mm-hmm. if i if if i should set up a uh, a standup cam
1: yeah i think th- i think i'm going to try that actually <laughs> so i actually have my you know like i have my work my work workstation and then i have my personal laptop and i you know it occurs to me that i could actually do something as simple as just stack a whole bunch of books up um and make my uh, my laptop a bit taller and then I could use that camera instead. Right. Um, uh, it's funny you, you talk about, uh, you know, being distracted when you're remote. Um, you know, because, uh, you know, quite frankly, there just isn't quite that much, you know, the, you have a little, bit, a little bit less accountability. You know, people might not be able to tell you're off doing something else. Um, and I'm the same way, you know, I'm as distractible as the next guy. Uh, so one of the things, the little tricks I do, um, to combat my own weakness there is, uh, when we're doing stand up, I'll remote in and screen share into the the machine that is uh running the stand up
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, because inevitably uh one so a, a tool that I, I neglected to mention as like being really important is uh pivotal tracker mm-hmm. so like every day during our stand up um you know we have our stand up, we talk about what we did uh the previous day and then we look at tracker mm-hmm. um and go over kind of what we're going to do today. Um, and anything that the client might have changed in pivotal tracker and things like that and if we need to we will call them we have frequently frequent calls with them as well, but just not during the developer stand up and so if i can uh if I remote into their machine and I'm watching tracker, then it can kind of combat that
0: distraction mm. factor okay that's an interesting point um, although I guess that that works better when when you have sort of a single machine, which is the the stand up machine, so to speak that's true uh, that's true. Uh, might it might be a little different? You might have to designate one if it was a um, fully distributed group, just sort of. Right. Out that, loud. Yeah, that's a good. That's a really good point. Um. Uh, another note that I have says you do um as as well as the uh, the ups you do daily check ins with your clients.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do daily check ins with our clients. Um. Uh. It kind of varies from project to project. Um, some of our projects. Have the, we have clients who actually attend our daily stand-up, okay. um, but I would say like the, because of the way we work, we, we work at Pivotal in a super iterative fashion, and we try to have really small-grained user stories, mm-hmm. um, so our, stories, uh, our feature stories tend to take on the order of a few hours to do, not a few days. Mm-hmm. So you know, within the course of a single uh, working day with two pairs, um, we'll have produced a ton of stuff Um, For our clients to verify. And and every single day we try to do deploys to, you know, whatever testing or demo server where uh, it's available to the client so that they can verify, you know, that we're getting our stuff done. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the course of 24 hours, uh, the world is changing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we find it really imperative that we check in every day with our clients to, you know, to make sure, one, that they everything is okay, You know, two, has priorities changed. Um, three. Did they get a chance to verify all of the stories that we might have delivered? You know, the the night before. If, do they have any questions? Um, you know, have they rejected anything mm-hmm. that we we said was done? And then they come back and say, well, actually, you missed these things, or oh, you misunderstood. Um, so just like keeping that, having that that super communication mm-hmm. is really important to us. So we try to touch base with them every day.
0: Were you sort of Pretty close to your coworkers and hanging out with them um, a lot. I mean, I guess where I'm going with this is the issue of you know you're you're with a group you know co-located at one office um, and you have kind of a culture that grows. Um, you know maybe you do stuff after work, um, go out for drinks or something, and then you're remote. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is do you find though do do you find those relationships um, you know tailing off? Um, do you do you do anything to combat that? That's, that's
1: an excellent question. And, um, you know, just in, in casual conversation, I get, you know, similar questions from, uh, both people who, you know, work in high tech and then just, just, you know, uh, you know, people that I happen to know. Um, and I would say, uh, for me personally, that is the single hardest thing about this entire experience. Um, you know, so I, you know, I lived in the, the San Francisco Bay area for, uh, 12 years, you know, my wife and I, you know, had a whole life there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, and for various reasons we ended up moving here to Atlanta Georgia and and um you know Atlanta's fine um you know the the people talk about the weather and and all kinds of stuff everything is basically fine but but the thing that is hardest is the, are those you know kind of losing those that that deep connection that you have with mm-hmm. uh with the people back you know, back at home base you know both uh, both regular you know friends you might know outside of work but especially uh, the people that you work with for eight hours a day. So I kind of a rambling question, uh, or answer anyway, but, uh, the, the short answer is yes, it is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, those relationships do, you know, I'm just going to, you know, uh, for myself, you know, I can be honest and say that those relationships do feel like they are sort of tailing off. Mm-hmm. Um, because something about, uh, like our offices in San Francisco, all of our offices, but especially the San Francisco one is we have an open floor plan. We have, you know, you know, flat IKEA style you know desks, um, no cubicles, and it's basically a big, flat, open area where you could stand up and you can see you know sixty, 70 developers working. Mm-hmm. Um, so somebody walks by and you start a conversation with them, you go out to lunch, you know maybe with the people that are on your project and maybe with some other people. Um, those really, you know I don't have those relationships anymore, and that stuff is really important um, so I'm, I'm, it's one of the things I'm still figuring out. Mm-hmm. Is you know how do I keep those relationships up? And one of the things I did recently is I went back to San Francisco for a week to, mm-hmm. you know, to work with my team. And I think that that's really important if you can make that happen, mm-hmm. is to to as frequently as you can, you know, go back and connect with those people, you know, you know, so that you know not just the people that you're working with on the project you're on right now, but all those other people, all those other you know friends and coworkers that you have, um, and try to keep keep that alive if you can. Mm-hmm. But it is hard. I mean, I will say that that's the hardest part of being remote for me,
0: mm-hmm. well i um, I ask everyone this. Um, if there were one piece of advice that you could give someone who's new to working remotely or to being on a distributed team, what would it be? I think it depends on 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 how
1: you work. Um, I know the default answer a lot of people have is like discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that for probably most people out there, that's probably the best answer. Um, especially if you're working by yourself, you know, you're making your own hours perhaps. Um, I would say for my personal situation, because I don't have uh, as much of the accountability issues that maybe other people do because I have to work with somebody for eight hours a day. So really right. I have eight hours worth of work to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm accountable for it. Uh, I would say for me personally, it would be patience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know try you know don't get too frustrated when the technology uh, is, is finicky and isn't working out so well. Um, have patience with the people you're working with remotely who um, maybe they've never had to work remotely. You know you might be the first person they've ever had to work with who was remote or they may have had really bad experiences with remote people and mm. and you know you don't want and they are really trepidatious about working with remote people. Mm-hmm. Um, being patient with them as you know they kind of get used to the situation. Um, you know, just, just just patience in general, just like recognizing that it's a foreign and, you know, it's not, you know, the status quo for a lot of people and that they're going to maybe have a hard time with it at first and just being patient and working, you know, with them as they sort of get used to it and Mm. as you get used to it as well.
0: Would you say that there's a, um... I mean is it really just a certain kind of person that can do this kind of work or i mean how, how what percentage would you say is is you know the right kind of personality, and what percentage do you think is is can be learned Well, that's a really good question too, because uh i I
1: feel a little atypical for the standard remote worker um you know I'm sure that everybody thinks they're special, but you know, for me really i am uh, <laughs> no i'm I'm joking uh but uh because my intention was never really to become a remote worker. It just sort of happened mm-hmm. uh, because of circumstances of life. Uh, and so I hesitate to say that it has to be a certain kind of person because I wouldn't have normally put myself into that camp um, because I would have, you know, I've often said, you know, my favorite thing about, you know, working anywhere I work is a, working side by side with all the great people. Mm-hmm. So now I'm not quite a side by side. Right. So I would, but but I also do have the patience to 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 make it work. So I would say it's perhaps 50% patience and perhaps 50% a skill. Mm-hmm. But that's just kind of off the top of my head because that's Fair something enough. that I feel like I'm still learning
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and trying to figure out. And that's actually, you know, maybe a minor tangent. Um, something I'm really fascinated with right now and trying to figure out is 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 how much of uh, a normal, you know, whatever you call normal, quote unquote, normal work environment. Can be replicated with distributed teams, which is actually mm-hmm. how I found your blog and have started, uh, you know, following your podcast and such. Mm. Um, and so I'm really, I'm really fascinated with, you know, how 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 much can you replicate, right? Um, and how much should be replicated? You know, maybe certain things shouldn't even try to replicate. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe certain things are even better than working in an office. I don't know. I'm sort of these are all things that are kind of going around in my right. mind right now. Um, as I sort of, you know, still learning how to be remote myself, and try to be as engaged with people as I can.
0: So, as as someone who's who's relatively new to it, um, and as someone who didn't set an you know didn't set an intention of I'm going to be a remote worker, uh, that's what I want to be. Um, other aspects of it that that you have found superior, or I mean, or given you know all things being equal, would you be would you go back to working in an office, um, you know, without a, without a question.
1: I don't think I would say necessarily without a question.
0: Um,
1: I, I, will admit that I have enjoyed some of the, the flexibility that I've gotten out of, uh, but really by coincidence being mm-hmm. three hours ahead okay. of the West coast. Uh, maybe that would be a different situation if, you know, I was on, you know, if the coasts were swapped or something. <laughs> right. Um, uh, but for example, I can do things like talk to you, mm-hmm. um, you know, at uh, you know, ten o'clock in the morning. Normally, I would be an hour into my working day. Right. Uh, but instead, my working day doesn't start until uh, noon, mm-hmm. East Coast time, and I I work till nine. Now that has it's a double edged sword because, um, you know, I work till nine, and some people right. like doing that, and, and some people don't. Right. Um. So so I mean, and that's one of the things you know I'm I'm, I'm trying to resolve in myself is like how much, you know, would I just automatically go start working in an office. Uh, right away, right now, if I had a chance, and and I don't, I don't. To be honest, I'm not totally sure. Uh, one of the things I am contemplating is is uh, is maybe kind of doing the halfway thing, mm-hmm. which is uh, uh, going to a co working place mm-hmm. where you know I'm surrounded by people, but they just don't happen to be the people that I'm working with. Right. Uh, so I'm getting you know maybe a little bit of you know in in an effort to get some of that you know social interaction and camaraderie. Right. Um, even if it doesn't happen to be people, you know, from my same company. Yeah. So I think I'm going to explore that. I don't think I can really answer the your question directly mm-hmm. uh, quite yet because uh, I feel like I still have to sort of explore, you know, the different aspects of being in an office all the time versus you know right. working remotely versus you know maybe being
0: in kind of a, a co-working place. I'll be interested to hear back from you, um, um you know, if you do try the co-working route mm-hmm. specifically as someone who is, um, remote pair programming um, all day. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of interested in how that uh, and how that works out. Um, you know, where you're you're in a room with with other people, but you're kind of ignoring them all day. <laughs> right, um, right. And that's yeah, I, I, I want to find
1: out too. I'll keep you posted.
0: That's what, been one of my yeah. um, quest lingering questions with um, um, with co working. I mean, I don't pair um, religiously. I don't pair. I don't pair um, every day that I wor- work. Mm-hmm. But it, I've often found that. Sort of coincidentally, you know, the day that I'm co-working is the day I wind up co- uh, pairing all day, and and so right. like I might as well have been in my in my office at home because the people around me, um, you know, they, I'm I'm eff- effectively dead to them. Right. Um, yeah, that's a good point. So, um, yeah, I'm interested to hear, uh, you know, what your experience is of that. If nothing else, you have people to go out to lunch with. Exactly. Exactly. At least there's the lunch factor. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I've kept you long enough. Um, so, uh, before you go, um, is there anything you'd like to say about uh, about Pivotal, about any of any other projects of yours um, that might be you know that you'd like to say to the listeners? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so, I'd say anybody who's interested
1: in lightweight, um, agile project management tools uh, should definitely check out Pivotal Tracker, uh, PivotalTracker.com. Um, it's free. Um, we we made it for ourselves and kept it for ourselves for two years until our, our clients basically begged us to let them keep work using it after they disengaged with us mm-hmm. and um, convinced us that we should let other people use it too. Um, so it's it was really written to encompass how we work and how we, we, we efficiently run projects. So now everybody can use it and about 150,000 people uh, and projects do. Uh, So we're really excited about that. Um, And like I said, Pivotal Labs is first and foremost a consulting company and has been for a long time. So if you uh, need a Rails app written, or a mobile uh, app in either uh, uh, Palms, WebOS, or Android, uh, definitely give us a call. We're in New York, Boulder, uh, San Francisco, and uh, hey, there's me in uh, Atlanta.
0: And, Joe, do you have any um, personal um, – uh, well, uh, any public face on the web, Twitter or homepage or yeah, anything like I'm, that? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm at Joe M
1: on Twitter. Uh, look me up there. And I have a, a seldom-read blog at uh, 40withegg. That's 40 com. And um, if anybody can uh, maybe I figure out the code there,
0: then uh, I'll buy you lunch. Well, Joe, thank you very much for your time. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Wide Teams podcast. Please visit us on the web at wideteams.com to leave feedback and enjoy more articles, screencasts, and conversations about dispersed teams. The Wide Teams podcast is a service of ShipRise LLC and is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share alike license. Our music is by Giles Boquette. Until next time, this is Avdi Grimm signing off. (laughs)